With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We welcome you to another edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM with Michael Lombardi. As always, I'm Ben Wilson filling in for Patrick Maher. Going to be a blast, Michael, being with you on Wednesdays here during the week because we know Patrick needs his beauty rest out in California getting ready for the week of of football. But you know when it's six days a week of Michael that it it means business. It's time for football season. So uh, you're you're back on your grind and I'm excited to be with you for it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you, Ben. Uh, you know, it's not really a grind. It's just not work. When you get to talk about football for a living, it's it's pretty good thing. So, and we got a lot of football to talk about. We got a lot of college games that have happened, a lot of pro games getting ready to start. So, this is the best time of the year. It's uh, the most exciting time of the year for me, too, because it, it, everybody thinks they have a chance to win the Super Bowl, even the worst teams in the league. I was going to say, like for you, thinking back to when you were in the the pro personnel department with the Browns in the late 80s, like this time of year, you head into week one. Is there general panic in in those behind the scenes rooms? Is there excitement? Like what is the actual vibe for the the actual teams here when we all know everybody thinks they've got a chance because it's they're all 0-0 and they're all undefeated. But I mean, what is the reality like this week and, and this time of year for executives when you think back to your time in the league? You know, it's a little bit like the betters. Actually, I wrote a column for tomorrow on VEASAN.com about, you know, some of the things that you look forward to in the beginning of the year. And, and, and when you're in the league or you're, you're really unsure, you don't know what's yeah. behind the curtain because, you know, most of the teams have played their, their hands much like Doyle Brunson plays poker. You know, they don't show very much. And so you're kind of wondering about, are they good enough? Is the player that you're expecting to come back, is he healthy? Like, let's take Arizona's opening up against uh, Phoenix at home, against to Kansas City. What Patrick Mahomes are they going to get? The one the media talks about as being an elite or the one that wasn't as good as he needed to be last year? You know, and if you're Arizona, you're hoping that you get the second, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. all those things yeah. that go into play and and you you can't control things. And the one thing you can control is how your team executes, how your team behaves and how your coaches adjust, which is so critical. We'll get into a bunch too of the line moves as you discussed, Michael, because there are a lot of them. There's a lot of injury news as well uh, today on the show. I was just thinking back. I, I I'm a two, I'm a total NFL nerd, so I go I do the rewatch. I started this during COVID when there were no games to watch. So you know you can go and find NFL primetime on YouTube like every single season. And I was watching '93, and I just wondered like because for, for you guys, you know, week one. Browns, you were big favorites over the Bengals, and all of a sudden it's like you're down 14 nothing right out of the gate. So isn't that kind of what you're talking about? Like nobody really no knows doubt. until the ball is kicked. Now you came back, won that game, got off to a great start that year, but that seems like how these things always sort of seem to break out in a, in a nutshell. And here you go, you're down 14 nothing to David Klingler uh, at home. I'm sure that was an interesting start to your 93 season. So in the 93, you know, we started the year off. Uh, Vinny Testaverde wasn't the starting quarterback. Bernie Kosar was. We're down 14 to nothing. And, and in old Cleveland Municipal Stadium, uh, my booth was on the roof. So I literally faced down. I don't know how the roof was still holding. I mean, that, that stadium was built, I think, for the 1920 Olympics. That's, that's how old <laughs> that was, right? Yeah. But I could look out over Lake Erie from my booth. And it was a tight little booth. I think Scott Pioli was sitting next to me. George Kikanis, who's in Baltimore, was in there. We had a bunch of guys, right? And we got down 14 to nothing quick. And I, and I almost wanted to jump into Lake Erie from where I was. <laughs> I'm like, 
how could we lose to this team with David Klinger? And it showed some resolve. We came back and, you know, we, we had a good year until Testaverde got hurt and then it fell apart. We ended up seven and nine, which propelled us into the next year we made the playoffs. But it, it is, it's so unpredictable. And, and bad teams, I think, more than ever can win on, on opening day. Even bad teams can win. I mean, we saw the Colts lose to Jacksonville a couple of years ago. Bad team won, but then they didn't win another game for the rest of the year, right? So the unpredictability of the scheme, the players who are healthy, how you evaluate, that all goes into it, mm-hmm. and it becomes really hard. And, and unless you have a coach that understands how to prepare his team for the opening game, who really spends time on kicking game, reverse kicks, onside kicks, all those areas that happen on opening day, and then has the execution down, it it, it really becomes a, a challenge to handicap, and you got to have some rules for it. Yeah, no question. You know I had to get a David Klingler reference in, just it. just for opening uh, opening week. I think I, the other uh, – I'm, I'm I love glad you jarred my memory on that. I mean, I could still remember. I, I was be up on the top box. I could see my oldest son with my wife sitting over there in another booth, and he's eating hot dogs, and I want to jump into Lake Erie. Amazing. You know, life was good. It's amazing. I, I think the other team, too, you mentioned the the Jaguars from two seasons ago. Panthers 0-1 with Chris Wenke. I believe won their opening game against the Vikings, lost 15 straight. So we have seen this happen before uh, in the National Football League. Uh, and for more on today's show, we're going to have a, a lot of really good guests, uh, as we usually do. Wednesday edition, Eric Edholm from NFL Media going to join us in about a half hour. And then Harry Gagnon, the former uh, Vegas uh, odds maker as well, uh, as uh, the Against All Odds podcast host there with Cousin Sal, one of our show favorites. He's going to join us a little bit later, uh, at least for the opening night game, though, Michael. Not a, not a game where we expect either team to be in that bad team category. But it is interesting just to figure out here how the personnel is going to look now that the injuries are starting to shape take shape with the Bills and Rams. You've seen this line come back down a couple of shops down to Bills minus two. A lot of two and a half still out there uh, in the market. I wanted to start with you specifically on the defensive backfield, though, for the Bills, because we did, uh, I filled in for Femi on the GM shuffle a couple months ago. We talked to your red ship, blue chip guys in the defensive backfield, and you had Tredavious White as a red shipper, one of your top 10 uh, corners there in the league, and he begins the season on the PUP list. So when you think about the top draft pick, Kyrie Elam, he'll start at one cornerback spot. You think about Dane Johnson, who was a seventh-round pick a couple years ago, starting at the other cornerback spot. Level of concern for you on the Bills secondary in that matchup against the Rams and their wide receivers, where would that be at least heading into Thursday night? You know, we spend a lot of time focusing on who's the corners that are going to miss. When you really understand, you have to understand the scheme that Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott are running. They're going to run what we call cover seven, which is quarter coverage. It becomes a man-to-man defense, but it only becomes a man-to-man defense based on routes. So it's a kind of coverage. Jimmy Johnson first started the coverage when he came in the league in 1989. When he first got in the league in 1989, it was a, everybody thought it was a college coverage. You know, It was a way to deal with the college hash marks, and it got you two players into the running game, two safeties that were kind of 12 yards deep that could fill the run game. So you were essentially in a nine-man front. And that became into the league. And now it's very popular in the league. And Buffalo runs it more than any team in the league. They run it quite a bit. The Sean McDermott style of defense going back has always done this. So when we talk about their corners, yes, they got to play some man-to-man, but for the most part, they do a good job of hiding their corners. To me, this is a little bit of a game of, this is going to be a game where two coaches, Sean McDermott and, and Sean McVay, have been really good on preparing their team. Last year, in the preseason, Sean McDermott was 3-0. and He outscored his opponents, I think, 75-30 to in those preseason games, right? I mean, he, he and, and then he went and played Pittsburgh in the opener. And their execution in the opener was outstanding. He had 55 rushes and completions, which is a- enough to win. However, they made mistakes in critical components of the game. And the same thing with McVay. McVay is 5-0 and as the opening day coach, right? He has scored 30 points in opening day games in four of those five. The only game he didn't was the COVID year. But he's won the games, and he's been able to mount points. So this is two teams, to me, that have great execution, that their head coaches know how to prepare. I think the over's in play, and I think this is going to be one of those games where it's going to go back and forth, back and forth, yeah. and, and I think the defenses are going to be a little bit behind. We're seeing 52s pretty much market-wide. You see on your screen right now via BetMGM, at least the 52, and then the Bills minus 2.5, minus $1.35 right now is your money line. I also can't help but think back, and you talk about the preparation and how 
while yes, you do have unknowns at the same time, you really, especially for week one, are going to be banking in the value of good coaching and prepared coaching, at least for these week one matchups. I just can't help but think back to remember the opener last year, Michael, when we had the Dak Prescott strained shoulder and all the reports were, man, we have no idea if this guy can even throw a football or can he throw a football 40 times in a game. I don't know if it's, you know, every situation is different, right? But we're seeing a lot of the same things coming out of camp with Matthew Stafford. And while they have said he's cleared to go and, and be 100% with his offseason elbow injections and limitations in camp and practice, this, the general consensus is, oh boy, I don't know if he's really going to be able to be full strength all season here. Where do you stand on something like that? Because I find myself kind of skeptical of the whole, well, he's not going to be ready at all. If he's suiting up, you expect him to be able to give it a go. And that would sort of lead credence to your thought on the over. You know, I mean, the first thing you're going to do if you're Brendan Bean and you go out to the pregame, you you want to go out and see Stafford throw. And and we haven't really seen that, but everybody has said there's no loss of velocity on the throw. And that's really all you're looking at. You know, does he have pain in the elbow? I don't know. But the velocity, when Peyton Manning was at the end of his career, you knew he had no velocity left on his throw. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because he lost his arm. He had nerve damage in his shoulder. So you could see that translate onto the field. Whereas with Stafford, I don't think you can see that. So I think it's just going to be play as they go. Now, if he lands on it and he gets hurt, that could be a different situation. But I expect both these offenses to be at high gear. A McVay with with, with an offseason to prepare for a McDermott-Leslie-Fraser defense, that he knows what they're in, he's going to be very successful. He will not be in a bad play all night. And it's the same thing with Josh Allen. I mean, he's going to run with the ball. They're going to do some different things with Raheem Morris. They're never going after. They're never going after Ramsey. They're going to spend all their time on the other corner to see what what happens. And I think that's where we'll see the game. The game's going to be full of adjustments. I expect a shootout. I really do. Yeah, and you think about it as well with uh, with the injuries we just talked about. We'll get into the props a little bit later in the show. Van Jefferson, another DNP in practice though yesterday. So uh, the report from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN was. Looking like a week two or week three return, I, I imagine you were kind of thinking the same thing, Michael, based on all the yeah, reports I, we had. I, I had in my notes that he wasn't going to play, and and you know I think they're just going to have to work around that. Look, the the guy getting the football is Cup, right? He's getting the ball, and so and then they've got Allen Robinson, and then they've got the tight end Higby. So those three guys can do enough damage for him. I would certainly think so. I, the the Cooper Cup guy. Last time I checked, uh, tri- triple crown in receiving last year. So uh, probably probably a pretty safe target. Uh, and we'll get into the props as well. He's in the ninety five and a half range for yardage, which it's like on the surface seems insane, but you also remember it's Cooper Cup. Like last time I checked, the guy <laughs> the guy might be pretty decent at getting open. Uh, so we'll have a lot more still to come on the show. There was some injury news confirmed just before we went on the air. Michael, get your thoughts. I know it's nothing too surprising, but. Coming out of New York, we do have a starter named for week one. Not a whole lot of line movement indicating market was kind of out in front of this, but it will be Joe Flacco going for the Jets against the Ravens. Get your thoughts on that, Michael, when we return. Still to come this hour, it is Eric Edholm, writer for NFL Media, going to give us his take on all the offseason and week one storylines as we're just getting started. Fun show on tap for you today. It's the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., 
and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted on specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM. State-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Ben Wilson from our Circus Sportsbook Studios, downtown Las Vegas, the Wednesday location for this show. Uh, I know you like this, Michael. We got the crisp sportsbook background behind us, so I, I, we're ready to go. As love much it. as you love Patrick's living room setup in SoCal, I know it's hard to, you know, to get over. I love the Circa. You know, I, yeah. I, I love the fact that, uh, 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 you know, the uh, – Derek Stevens has got so much invested in the contest and, and the Survivor contest and all that. It's just such a beautiful venue. If you're never, if you ever get to Vegas, you, you must go to the Circa, check out Stadium Swim, which I'm sure you're there every weekend, Ben. Oh, of course. I'm sure yeah. you're going to be watching games there this weekend as well. I mean, it's it's the place to be. Look at the pro plug by you, Michael, as well. I, you know, that's that's a true a true professional there. I I'm on the air this weekend. I got weekend, another but, plug. You know. Okay, I got yeah, another go for plug. It. I, I mean, I read the Daily Email this morning, and Steve McAdin, who you know is going to be on the show, I think, following us, does an incredible job. And I think, especially in week one, I don't know if you saw his column on uh, some system matches. And I'm not a big system match guy because I believe in in looking at you know dismissing last week and just evaluating the matchups. But there is some interest, and and I think he's got a couple really good points that he makes within there that I think fit it, and it's an outstanding column. You know, when you when you break it down, especially when you know when you look at the home underdogs are sixteen six and one straight up, and nineteen and four, eighty two percent against the spread in week one since two thousand and nine. I don't think that's a system match. I I think that's a a trend. And it's one of those things where as much as we say, all right, yeah, the trends are only good enough until you actually get to the game you're talking about and where things match what you want to bet on, that, those, that's the kind of data you can't really ignore. And so that's what I, yeah, we appreciate about Steve because the, the stuff he's pulling together, it's not just random, you know, small sample size things as you talked about. This goes back to 09. So, yes, check that out right now in, our, uh, in the VEASAN uh, daily newsletter we have coming out. We also have the, the VEASAN daily uh, podcast that just launched this week with Josh Applebaum. So a lot of cool stuff there uh, for our VEASAN Pro subscribers uh, and a lot of free content uh, as well we've got on the, on the podcast channels, including the, uh, the GM Shuffle, which I know you and, uh, you and Femi of Ebefe, you're into high gear now. Uh, with that yeah, show, we're gonna, so. we're gonna we're gonna do the quarterbacks. Uh, there'll be a couple surprising admissions in the quarterback, and we're gonna break down the the week one games as best we can on a Thursday afternoon. All right, I can't wait for that. That'll, that's uh, that's subscribe. That'll be dropping tomorrow there uh, in your uh, your podcast feed wherever you listen to those. At least as the new of the news of the day today. I don't know how much of this was really taking anybody off guard, but uh, you had said earlier, Michael, you were expecting Zach Wilson to miss the first week, if not the first couple of weeks. And Robert Sala makes it official this morning. About a half hour ago, Joe Flacco, your week one starter for the Jets at home against the Ravens, sounding like it will be at least until week four that Wilson is, will be ready to go as he rehabs from his preseason knee injury. Betting market, though, on this news is not really adjusted. Michael, this was probably baked in, you would think, already. Seven-point favorites yep. here for the Ravens. Total still sitting at 44-and-a-half. I mean, I think it would have adjusted, Ben, if, if Zach Wilson played. I mean, I tweeted out yesterday, like, seriously, this Robert Salai was trying to be coy. You know, well, there's a chance that Zach could play opening day. Like, the Ravens are sitting down there in Baltimore worrying about Zach Wilson playing. They know he was never going to play. Who, who's crazy enough to put a second-year player who didn't have really one rep since the first, first preseason game into a game with when things are changing, moving so fast. I mean, that just shows you Salai just is so unaware about like what he says, like it's going to dictate it. If they would have put Wilson in the game, the market would have it probably would have gone to eight. He would have been ready to play. 
I thought he was going to be at least two weeks out. Now they're talking about four weeks. It makes sense. I mean, we'll see what Flacco can do. We'll see how good their offensive line is protecting Flacco, who doesn't move very well. That's going to be the critical component of that game. Can they protect Flacco enough to be able where he's comfortable in that pocket and his eye level doesn't come down? Yeah, and you would think, too, and and we've discussed how, especially week one, it can always be tough trusting these big, big road favorite teams. And we have 10 of them this week, so there's a lot to sift through there. I'd have to have thought if, if Wilson was actually at least kept in the mix to be the starter, and if, God forbid, they actually threw him out there in week one, you have to think your confidence level in Baltimore would have gone up just an insane amount. And you think about what their offensive coordinator talked about. You, you know, you go back to the preseason, Michael, and basically admitting, like, yeah, this was not part of the plan. The guy's not getting any reps. I don't know how this can be a good thing going forward. Uh, when Mike LaFleur came out and said that shortly after the injury, was not sugarcoating it whatsoever. Uh, it makes sense, right, that, uh, that a line move, even if it's Flacco, and even though he's you know, over the hill relative to his own career, I would have gone way, way up for Baltimore. And I'd have to think that would have been in every teaser card across the country down to one or one and a half or wherever, or wherever that line ended up settling. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, too, you, you've got to evaluate how head coaches, we talked about that in the last block, but how co- head coaches are preparing their teams. I mean, last year's Jet team, I know they had a rookie quarterback, but they were one of the worst teams in terms of week one execution. I mean, remember, Ben, you know, I, nobody wants to hear this, but the the, the the Jets offensively and defensively, their numbers last year were not just bad. They were historically bad. I mean, they were 32nd in most every single category you could get into. I know he's got a great PR machine, Salai, that, you know, he's happy and he cheers and he looks like Mr. Clean on the sideline and, you know, and all that stuff. And he's very enthusiastic. But, I mean, when you evaluate him last year on what happened, I mean, you got to really sit there and say, wait a minute, hold on. The defense was one of the worst in football, and so was the offense. Like, and it made no improvement during the year. You could say, well, they got a bad team. Well, now everybody's saying they're a great team because, you know, they got all these players claimed at the waiver wire. Like, what is it? Are we a good team or are we a bad team? I think about it too, and I look at, you know, just the down the line positional rankings, and you could make a case, well, maybe the offensive line is a strength, which could then lead to some cohesion on offense, but that was probably, you would have made that statement before the Mackay Beckton injury. So now it's like, we're, you know, you think about the matchup, as you mentioned, Baltimore's defensive line and a, a revamped team that is now presumably going to be without the, you would at least hope for them, the injury bug that plagued Baltimore all, all season a year ago. I don't know. Where do you stand on that old line at this point where we have a lot of questions still to be asked on, on a line that we figured would have Mekhi Becton anchoring it? Obviously, that's no longer the case with him being on IR. Yeah, and I mean, look, the other thing is, too, is is we, we think, you know, we, they signed Dwayne Brown, so everybody's saying, and you go right to pro football, well, Dwayne Brown didn't give up a sack last year. Did anybody watch Seattle's offensive line and watch how much Russell Wilson got hit last year? I mean, seriously. You know, Dwayne Brown playing at left tackle, is he going to be good enough? We'll see. You know, they've signed Lakeland Tomlinson at the left guard, who was probably one of the weaker links in the 49er offensive line last year. So I'm Mm -hmm. not like sitting here saying, oh boy, this is going to be a great offensive line. I'm like, they're going to have to prove it to me. And then they're going to have to prove that they know what they're doing offensively. Like, can they really move the football? Do they know how to scheme the ball? And and I think that was in question last year with Mike LaFleur running the offense. So. And then we didn't even touch on the defense. You know, we didn't even touch on the defense. I mean, last year they were 32nd in the league in defense. I mean, it was it was so bad. They're an eight-man front team, and they're 32nd in, in, in rushing attempts allowed. They're 29th in yards allowed. They're 32nd in touchdowns allowed rushing. Here's the reality. When you allow touchdowns rushing, it's the easiest way to score points. The reason it's hard when you get in the red zone is most teams can play run. Most teams will play run defense, and they force you to throw the ball into tight windows. Not the Jets. Want to score? Just run it on in for us. Even though we're in an eight-man front, it ain't going to matter. You can score. Mm-hmm. So, like, I got a lot of doubts about them on opening day. And if they come out and play well, okay, great. But I'm not touching them. I can tell you that. I heard you talking a lot about lack of run defense, and I'm looking at my notes. And oh yeah, it's Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. So I think I think we're going to see a lot of runs uh, out of the Ravens in that spot. Uh, that with a, a seven-point line as well. Again, going to be I would even with Flacco starting. You would think a lot of people throwing those in, uh, in teaser legs this week. The other uh, quarterback, at least week one starter, that was made official. Get your thoughts on it real quick, Michael. This happened uh, yesterday on your off day. Mitch Trubisky, week one starter. That's named official there in Pittsburgh after an up-and-down preseason. Wins that job over the rookie, Kenny Pickett. How do you evaluate uh, that decision from Mike Tomlin here? About a six-and-a-half-point dog heading to Cincinnati for week one. I, I think it's the right thing. 
because you don't want to put a young player in a divisional rival, team coming off a Super Bowl, in a crowded stadium with noise and celebration and knowing that you're going to have to really do a good job of executing because it's hard to slow this, this Cincinnati offense down. I, I think, to me, it's probably the right play. And I think Mike did the right thing by saying he's not only our captain, he's our starter. So Mitchell's not looking over his shoulder. Look, I don't love Mitchell, but I, I think, to me, it's, it's, the, it, it's the best way to do it. Isn't it more, too, for you think about Pittsburgh and offensive line where with Ben Roethlisberger last year, he, he had the quickest release time of any quarterback because he just didn't want to hold on to the football. He just, it was no. like hot potato all season. So that's my big question. What do we get out of an O-line that a lot of the potential warts were certainly covered up by, uh, by Big Ben and his uh, lack of ability to even hold on to the ball since he was just trying to throw that thing as, away as quickly as possible? Well, you know, but he also but he also couldn't move either, and he was always in shotgun, so you knew where he was going to be. Like, he never moved his location. His real estate never moved. That'll change with Trubisky. You'd have to think uh, it would, and a lot of questions to ask Pittsburgh. Remember last year, on the road, six-and-a-half-point dogs. We just talked about that game earlier, Michael, against Buffalo. Go in there, had some big special teams play, and they won the game outright. Similar spot to this time around against a Bengals team fresh off that AFC championship. Six-and-a-half-point dog, 44-and-a-half is your total there. We'll get a lot more thoughts on the week one card from Michael here coming up on the show. But up next, Eric Edholm, outstanding frequent Lombardi line guest from NFL Media. He will join the program right after this, breaking down all the top week one storylines. That's next here on the Lombardi line. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. It's football season, and bettors know that this is when the money is made. Nobody knows football like VEASAN, and now is the time to become a VEASAN subscriber and get our comprehensive college and pro guides. Only VEASAN subscribers get all the tools to prep for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Sign up early, and for a discount of $175, you receive both guides and full VEASAN access all the way through the Super Bowl. Or join us for $40 a month and see everything VEASAN has to up your betting game. Go to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for all your options and become part of the Sports Betting Network. Ben Wilson back on this Wednesday from the Circus Sportsbook Studios here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM with the every Tuesday and Wednesday filling in for Patrick Maher. In the meantime, it is the start of the six-day week here for our guy Michael Lombardi, former NFL GM, uh, on this Lombardi Line program. So Michael joins us from the East Coast. We'll be catching up with Eric Edholm uh, here shortly. We'll be welcoming him, welcoming him into the program in just a couple minutes. Um, while we were talking some AFC North, uh, quarterbacks and storylines, though, Michael, in the last segment, the one thing I had neglected to ask you as far as that Jets-Ravens line goes is that while we know it's Joe Flacco, the starter, we did see the comments from uh, John Harbaugh yesterday where, where he basically says he's not worried at all Lamar Jackson's contract situation. They do not have a deal, but he's going to be playing out the final uh, year of that rookie deal here coming into the season. Are you of the mindset that this is all kind of good to go, capiche, for a, you know, for a start of the year where nothing was really settled at the end of the day for Lamar? I think like most things, you'll see contracts probably get done Saturday before kickoff, right? I mean, it always goes to the last minute. You know, are you really willing to walk away from all this guaranteed money and risk an injury for the season? It's challenging, right? I've been told that they've offered Lamar a substantial contract, even though Lamar said that he hasn't been had an offer. I don't, I don't think that's true. Now, it's a challenging situation because Lamar doesn't have an agent representative. He's using his mom and himself, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, that makes it really hard. So... To me, to me, I, I would expect him, I would expect Darren Waller, those guys to get done right before the cusp of the season, and then I think they can play freely. That, the other, that was the Waller uh, news as well, where they, and he's been banged up in this uh, preseason stretch too, so we think he is going to be able to give it a go. And it, it's, yeah, that odd thing where you have injury there with Waller combined with the potential contract situation. So you're trying to figure that out. Uh, in, in, in that Raider Charger game as well, that's the other in, interesting piece of injury news that came out today where uh, J.C. Jackson, that sounds like a uh, either out or a firm questionable at this point, the corner th- there for the Chargers. So I, I was told, Ben, I was told J.C. Jackson was in a boot as of Monday. I, I don't mm. expect him to play, and if he plays, I would su- suspect the Raiders to go right after him because I don't think he's going to be healthy. I think J.C. Jackson's probably a little bit away before he's going to play. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think you got to be careful, especially you put a guy out there. Remember, this is – I know we're all excited about week one, but it is week one, right? And you got to keep a player healthy more than anything. 
especially now, 17-game uh, season over 18 weeks. The report from Taylor Bisciotti of this morning was that the, the new expectation is that uh, Jackson not expected to give it a go with the, uh, with the ankle injury. And as you talked about, it would make sense, everything you're saying. Um, and I know as well, we talked about our, all of our uh, VEASAN tools we've got now at uh, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. You, you set uh, lines on basically every single game based on your insights, what you're hearing from uh, around the league. That Raider-Charger matchup, man, especially with now a couple of key players either banged up to out on uh, on both sides of the ball. I don't know how you factor in home field in a situation like SoFi for the Chargers specifically, where we remember that Monday night game last year was at least 50% Raider fans, but that's a fascinating handicap to me in a game one for Josh McDaniels against all the hype we've seen here out of the Chargers with LA in that three and a half point favorite range. You know, it's going to be a Raider crowd. I mean, Los Angeles is a Raider town. It's not a Ram town. It's not a Charger town. It's a Raider town. Go anywhere. And you'll see Raider paraphernalia all over. And so that 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 SoFi is going to be filled with with Raider fans on Sunday afternoon. And look, I I, I power rank the teams at the end of the year and went through my numbers. And you know, I see this really about a one point game. Yeah, I think it should be about a one point game, one way or the other. So it would it would I would lean towards taking the Raiders and the points, particularly if that number it creeped up to three and a half and it went back down to three. You know, or now it's still, excuse me, it was at three and it went to three and a half. If you get that hook, I think the Raiders are a good play. Look, the Raiders are going to move the football. You know, this is two John Carroll coaches going against one another. Josh McDaniels from John Carroll, Brendan Staley from John Carroll. Now, Staley's different. He comes from the Vic Fangio school of defense, but it's not the same Vic. Vic Fangio does a great job of disguising coverages. He does a great job of kind of messing with the quarterback. Staley does it. This is one of the worst defenses in football last year, mm-hmm. almost to the Jets, with Staley coordinating it. They're a lot of play, a lot of cover one. They've got good players. They don't play like a good team and defensively. And Josh McDaniels went in there last year with the Patriots and ran the ball effectively. They struggled to stop the run. With the Raiders' weapons, I think the Raiders will be able to run the ball, especially if Staley plays a light box. And if you run the ball against the Chargers and make Herbert get sense of desperation – and only play 25, 26 minutes of offense, you got a chance to beat them. And you think, too, about with the Waller piece being such a big-time target as well for Carr in this Raider offense and, and how they utilized him all over the place, especially how Carr ends up last year the best passer between the numbers a season ago, even at times not having the consistent guys on the outside. Uh, Waller, at least saying this morning, he plans to be on the field Nothing yet known about his contract situation. He basically said he's leaving it up to the agents uh, as you know, Lamar is unable to because he doesn't have one, but at least, Wall- <laughs> at least Waller has the representation, so he's going uh, with that. But you, you notice, too, that's a 52.5 total there. We just talked about the opening night game also at SoFi. Bills-Rams also in that 52-52.5 range. Of those two, it seems like you're pretty bullish on, on both of those going over. Uh, it, w- it would make sense, right, uh, given, given the way we saw these teams go back and forth and go down to the final play here uh, in both of those meetings a, a couple, uh, at least last season and even go you go back to two years ago in the COVID season where uh, these teams played these uh, these rough and tumble high scoring affairs yeah I think that's the way it's going to go I really do and so I I think one thing we noticed about preseason when we started out we noticed is the offense were ahead of the defense right and so and the way the rules are set up the offense is always going to be ahead of the defense and as preseason went along we start to see some of those unders kind of start to cash a little bit. I think when you've got two offensive coaches, and last year I went through week one, when you had two offensive coaches, the uh, the over hit. When you had an offensive coach against a defensive coach, it was down the middle. When you had two defensive coaches, I'm talking about head coaches going against mm-hmm. one another, you know, the under kind of hit. I, I think this is, uh, even though Staley's a defensive coach, I think this will be a little bit of a shootout. I lean towards the over. Although I do think Patrick Ram will do a good job of trying to contain Herbert. Look, here's the thing: when you play the Chargers, you got to force them to run the ball, and you got to take you got to take Mike Williams out of the game. You can't let Mike Williams make explosive plays. Mike Williams was about a 52 percent player last year in terms of attempts, looks, and completions. What does that tell us? It tells us that he was it was all home runs or nothing, right? And if you give him a home run. It's hard for you. But if you make this team work the ball down the field, let Keenan Allen have as many catches as you want. Make all the fantasy players happy as hell. But don't give up Mike Williams a one-play strike drive touchdown. I think Patrick Graham will do a good job in that area, the defense coordinator of the Raiders. Yeah, and like we were talking about, this series, three of the last four having gone to the over. Three of the last four decided on the final play of the game. Two of those uh, going to overtime as well. So it would make sense. We're seeing this thing at the 52.5 range, at least for a total. 
uh, Chargers three and a half. The one other game, too, because we have a bunch. It, it's interesting how you have some games who are in that very low 40s range where we expect offensive struggles early on. But there are the few games that we are, at least as the, from the odds makers perspective, Michael expecting a whole lot of points. Talked about two of them already. Kansas City and Arizona, that's probably been our biggest line move, at least within the prism of this week itself. We're from three, three and a half. That's now cheap six. We, uh, Michael, uh, Mike Pritchard and I were on the show yesterday, and we were watching that thing in real time just balloon up all the way to six now. How do you react to a, a line move as stark as that when these lines have been out since essentially April or May? Well, I mean, I think this line's all reflective on Andy Reid and his ability to coach opening day, right? I think the last time he's lost was 14. Andy Reid, we hear it all the time when he has a bye. Andy Reid off a bye. Andy Reid spent time getting his team ready to play this summer. I mean, he wasn't messing around. He put his guys out there. He made his offensive line play. He was old school this summer. If if there's nothing wrong with being old school. And, and I think when you watch them, you know, they're going to be tough for Arizona. How good is Arizona on defense? I'm concerned. Last year, I loved Arizona in the opening game because – Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury, it has does execute very well in the opening game. But without Hopkins, without Hopkins out there, that's a concern. That's an injury or a, a suspension that makes it challenging for all the other receivers. You know, Kirk's gone. Okay, Rondell Moore's going to have to step up. I don't think A.J. Green's the same player. And then if you rush Murray the right way, and I think they will with Chris Jones inside, with Chris Jones' power in that pocket back, getting his long arms up, forcing Murray to play quarterback from the pocket. I think it's a hard game. I th- I'm surprised it's gone to six. Right. I- I'm definitely there. I think Kansas City wins. I think it's a closer game, though. And you think about, too, you just said pressure to the inside. This is a Cardinal O-line, arguably the oldest in the game, average age, over 30 years old, basically ran everybody back from a season ago. Rodney Hudson, their center, he's questionable, too. So you talk about interior worries, potentially, and that's one of just a laundry list of injuries. So I wonder how much of that you think, Michael, might be impacting this line move, too. I think it is. I mean, look, and look, everybody thinks Murray's just because he got this huge contract. The last seven games of the year, when he came back against Chicago, he wasn't the same player we saw the first half. And so I think, too, the takeaway, right, from what we're talking about, these coaches who you like, you really trust from a game planning scheme standpoint right away from, from the overall preparation of week one, seems like in general over the years that's kind of been who you've looked to ride, especially in these, uh, these week one spots. No doubt. Seems like a no fair, fair point to make. Experience matters. Yeah. I really believe that. No question. Hey, that, that sounds like a VEASAN pro tip to me at least, though, which all of them you can find on our website, VEASAN.com slash pro tips. One every single hour sorted by show and by sports. Uh, we talked about Eric Edholm joining us. He is going to join us next. Don't worry. We've got Eric on the line. He'll come up and uh, talk all the week one storylines right after this with us here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast, 
on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is a sports betting career loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ben Wilson back with you from our Circus Sportsbook Studios, the Tuesday-Wednesday show. I'll be here filling in for Patrick. we got Michael Lombardi six days a week now as we're ready to go for the start of NFL season. And uh, to help us preview all the Week 1 storylines, it is Eric Edholm, writer for NFL Media. You see his work at NFL.com and on Twitter. It's uh, Eric underscore Edholm. Eric, I was triggering Michael's memory earlier, talking about his uh, 93 opener when he faced off against David Klingler and got down 14-0 right out of the gates. They ended up winning the game. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll trigger your memory, too. It's been, what, uh, 20 years now since uh, you go back to when you started at uh, Pro Football Weekly? I just remember that because my grandma yeah. got me a, a newspaper subscription when I was like 10 years old, and I would get so excited every wow. Wednesday. So not, not, to, not to make you feel too old, but it has been 20 years uh, since you started at uh, Pro Football Weekly. Pretty exciting stuff, and here we are now, 2022, and uh, you're, you're on the NFL fell side getting ready to go here for week one i'm just happy you got your paper by wednesday you know we i sat yeah. next to the phone operator my first year working there and they would get calls where's my magazine you know that was you'd hear that wednesday thursday and friday sometimes so it's good to know that uh you were getting timely deliveries and i appreciate uh, you guys having me on yeah of course uh, absolutely w- we lived, Eric, we lived for those news and notes around the league with you and Hub Arkish. I mean, remember, there was no internet. There was no Twitter back then in the day, you know, and we were at to rely on those weekly, you know, news and notes from around the league. I hear this, I hear that. And, you know, even whether they were right or wrong, they were so always good to read. Yeah, and, and, and I, if I could just take a quick moment to uh, wish Hub Arkish uh, well. He's, uh, he's had some health issues lately. He's, He's uh, fighting hard. We're all pulling uh, behind him. Hope to go see him tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, it brings back a lot of good memories of the good old days. Uh, Not the pre-internet days, but the early internet days where we, we still right. relied on a good solid print product. Hey, well, especially well, too, before it, you know, before most people had the uh, NFL Sunday ticket access, like I grew up in Wisconsin, you couldn't watch the Jaguars or the Texans. So, you know, you were relying on the, the around the league uh, reports as we get ready now, Eric, for, for this week one stretch, we'll start with Thursday night here because a lot has been made a of what the bills will look like secondary wise. We were talking about that here with Michael to start the show. And then realistically, what, uh, what the actual, case will be for Matthew Stafford here coming out for week one based on all the conjecture, all the rumors floating around. What do you actually res- expect to be the case here when we see Stafford and the Rams take the field there tomorrow night against the bills? It's hard to know, right? I mean, you know, when they first described this, this elbow injury, you know, they, they sort of described it as an unusual football injury, more of a common baseball injury. And okay. Then the question becomes, you know, what, what's the plan for him, not only in training camp, you know, getting him ready for week one, but also during the season, is there going to be, you know, I don't know, we'd call it a load management thing. That's more of an NBA term, but you know what I mean? How are they going to be able to protect the arm, have him throw enough to feel like he's gotten his work in and getting the, you know, the, the proper reps uh, and stay loose without overworking him. But I think it'll be fine for this one, you know, especially as you mentioned, going up against the Buffalo secondary, that, you know, uh, without Tredavious White, he's going to be out the first four games minimum. Uh, Kyrie Elam thrown into the fire week one. You can bet Sean McVay has some stuff for him, whether it's double moves or, you know, try to beat him with speed or what have you. Uh, you know, just taxing him and, and the rest of that secondary mentally, I think is going to be a big part. So you'll see, I suspect, a lot of formations, a lot of looks, a lot of different stuff that, you know, will, will put them to the test right away. And of course, Von Miller's there and there's going to be other people that can help out, but you know, that's going to be a big area of focus, I think for, for LA attacking that secondary. And what do you think, you know, last year, Eric, I really was felt like after the Tampa game, you know, where Josh Allen really 
the ball was in his hands more than not. I mean, the Zach Moss, Singletary running combination, kind of everything was around Josh Allen. Do you think that trend's going to continue as we go into week one? That's a great question. And you're right. I mean, I think everything we saw after halftime of that Bucks game was let's make sure our best player has the, the ball in his hands as much as possible. And let's let him win or, or lose games for us. And for the most part, he won them and you can't certainly blame the playoff loss on him, but yeah, I mean, it, we have a play caller change with Ken Dorsey and we don't really truly know what to expect. If you did nothing, but watch, you know, the first half of that, that Denver preseason game, you might say things are looking great, right? <laughs> you know, like just, don't crash the Corvette, man. Let's, let's, let's keep <laughs> yeah. this thing on the highway where it's supposed to be. So on, on the one hand, I say to myself, yeah, they should. Absolutely. I'm not saying you ignore the run game. I'm not saying you don't use these backs that you spent some, you know, some day two draft capital on and, you know, try desperately to find the right combination of, I think all three guys were drafted second or third round. So you, you have to be able to use them, but let's use James Cook as an outlet receiver. Let's, let's make sure Moss is getting you know, the, the kind of carries like he did at Utah where he was able to, you know, break into the second level and, and use his creativity. And let's like Singletary, you know, charge his way through the defense, but be selective about it. Let's remind ourselves that we just signed Austin Knox to an extension. He's going to be a big part of things. We know what Diggs is capable of doing. Gabe Davis, that, that playoff game is burned into our memories, at least mm-hmm. a lot of us who watched how good he was. You know, I guess the question would come up to – how good that interior offensive line is. I think that would be like the secondary on defense. That's probably the one area that until we see it, we don't truly know how it's going to look up front. The uh, writer for NFL media, Eric Edholm, joining us right now here on the Lombardi line again at Eric underscore Edholm on Twitter. And while we were sort of joking a little bit earlier, you know, 20 years ago, you were starting at Pro Football Weekly. Back then, there was not nearly as much just widespread constant media coverage 365 days a year and you could find some of these sleeper teams teams not getting much pub heading into the season we're obviously in a different era now but having said that do you still find that from from your perspective there are still teams who could actually be flying under the radar even as we even as we now have the proliferation a of sports betting and b of the the every single day national media coverage here and if so like is there a team that could possibly even be flying under the radar as we get ready for the start of the year given all the coverage we've had this offseason well, the answer to the first part of your question is absolutely yes. Cincinnati was, was case, you know, uh, you know, proof positive of that last year. Part B is, unfortunately, I never picked the right one. So our self- <laughs> <laughs> I get, I always get a year ahead of people. So I need to look back at who I picked as my breakout teams last year. And maybe they're going to be good this season. But yeah, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of people have kind of jumped on the Lions bandwagon. The hard knocks factor, right? Dan Campbell, you know, I would say people probably can identify the lions head coach more than they can, uh, you know, the, the LA chargers or something like that. So, you know, that, that element of it, I think there is a feel good sense that this team is sort of trending in the right direction. Maybe the division's weakened with, you know, uh, green Bay losing their, their top receiver with Chicago still kind of wallowing in, in, in a rebuild a little bit. Minnesota's got a new coaching staff. So there is a sense that, look, there's a path to, to getting better. Absolutely. The schedule favors them, I think. What about the Jaguars, though? I, I'm not saying they're going to be, you know, 10 and 7 or what have you. I don't know what their record's going to be, but I think they're going to be better. I think coaching is going to be a big, big part of that. And I really believe Doug Peterson can pick this opportunity. He didn't get a ton of calls, but he had you know, some interest. And I think he felt like, boy, it's just nowhere to go, but up. I mean, there really is with all the young talent. Some of it hasn't panned out, but if you get, I would say what people expected out of Trevor Lawrence is the, the, you know, as a sort of generational number one draft pick and you get Trayvon Walker into a playmaking role by mid season. And some of those young linebackers too, the secondary they've addressed all those receivers, you know, they pumped assets into the offensive line too. Maybe this is a much better team than some people are willing to give them credit for being. So I, you know, they beat the bills last year. They're not, you know, I mean, they had the ability to at least sort of rise up occasionally and, and show some of that ability. So I don't know. I, I, there's something about them that fascinates me, but like you said, everyone's combing through the teams that finished with, you know, six, seven wins or fewer last year. And, 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 you know, trying to pick that one or two yeah. that, that jumps up the way the Bengals did. What do you think no about doubt. that, Michael? Uh, 
Well, I mean, look, I, I think he's right. It's just so hard to, you know, health-wise, where everybody is starting the season. Yeah. You know, everybody thinks they're going to win. You know, I, I, I said this. There's no a better explanation for week one than the Burt Bell axiom, which is on any given Sunday. And I think on week one, any given Sunday, any team can win. I think you're at, it's a good point. And that's why we have all these, all these underdogs have been uh, great, profitable caches, especially as you were talking about earlier, Michael, uh, over the years, Eric, I want to thank you so much for giving us some time here on the show. Again, Eric underscore Edom writer for NFL media. Great insight. It's as uh, always there, Eric, I'm sure we'll see you once again, uh, coming up soon on the Lombardi line here. So thanks. As, uh, thanks as always for the time. Thanks, Eric, and give our best to Hub. Thank Absolutely, you. yes. Uh, best to uh, best wishes to Hub Arkish as well. There, uh, yeah, founder there of uh, Pro Football Weekly. We're getting ready for hour number two, though, Michael. We've got some line moves still to discuss. Some interesting storylines as we get ready for week number one. We're almost twenty-four hours away. Kind of crazy to think about that. Opening night is tomorrow. We'll discuss all things National Football League. Some player props as well still to come. In hour number two, right here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.